Well, coming up in just about 10 minutes, Pastor Tom Repke is back. And in our Bible study today, uh, we're going to do a Bible study unlike any other that we have done here on, uh, well, we've done 69 of them counting today. Uh, you know, usually we take on a passage of Scripture and we uh, read it and then we think about the context and we go line by line, verse by verse, and, and all that. Well, today, Pastor Tom has chosen four different passages. We probably won't get to them all. We might. You never know. But they are all um, interesting. Let's just put it that way. They are strange and kind of odd in the Old Testament and so we're just going to kind of take a look at each one and see where it takes us. So you're going to need thumbs to do the Bible study this morning because we're going to be turning pages. 2 Kings 2.23, Isaiah chapter 20, verses 1, 2, and 3, Judges chapter 6, and Numbers 23.22. And we're just going to see where this leads. And uh, I may keep Pastor Tom around for a little extra time. We may go into overtime this morning because uh, we're going to have a little conversation about the James Webb Space Telescope and what we've all been looking at over the last 48 hours. Mark Zimmerman here, and I'm sorry, Thomas, but Gabe is still out today. That's a bummer. Yeah. Ran for her. Yes, exactly. And uh, hopefully back tomorrow. Tom Repke is here. Pastor Tom is back with us again. It's Bible study time. It's Mark and Gabe's Bible study, even if Gabe is not here. Yes. Okay. So uh, today, this is the 69th time that we have done a Bible study on a Wednesday morning at 7.07 a.m. But we've never done one quite like this. Yeah. Uh, usually, you know, we follow kind of a pattern. We... Right. Uh, do uh, the scripture, we read it together, we talk about the con the context and all that, then we go verse by verse and line by line. Right. Today's a little different. Right, why not? Summertime. Okay. So, well, yeah. Uh, you've chosen a few stories here, but before we even get into these stories, these strange stories of the Old Testament, we need the context. So right. you were talking with your young people. Yeah, this has been something over the years. I mean, literally, I okay. think it's those moments where any, even reading through Second Kings not too long ago with some folks at the church, it's like, okay, the story, where does, you know, why? Because you'll see here, <laughs> it's like things are happening and all of a sudden the, the writer just drops in a few verses and it's like, okay, we just did a left turn when we were going straight. And, <laughs> and it's like, okay, what do we do with those things, right? Or even right now in the church, I'm doing a series called God Questions. Right. And I'm just okay. turning a question, you know, online or, and it's just like, so were dinosaurs on the ark? It's like, well, you know, inquiring minds want to know. Oh, right? sure. Absolutely. And I think it, 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 all of this really to show the context that our faith is reasonable. And even when we find sort of strangeness, it's mm -hmm. like, I think if we lean into it, we can come up with some answers. And that's the beauty of the scriptures, right? It's right, not just right. random. So why not pull out the things that are like, wow, okay. Weird. Uh, so... You know, you've you've kind of been pulling these stories out, finding them as they occur in, in the studies and as you've gotten questions at church. So where are we going to start this morning? What's uh, first on your list? Here? Well, let's just, I you know, I don't want to talk about the naked prophet. 
preaching for three years? Or oh, actually, okay. let's go to Second Kings. Um, okay, Second Kings. Bears attacking um, children. Okay, now now wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, we've got Elijah. Uh, and that amazing section of Scripture where he's caught in the whirlwind. Right. And then, of course, immediately after that, um, Elisha succeeds Elisha right. in the ministry. I mean, this is really important. So it's one of those pivotal points in the Old Testament. But then at verse 23, yeah. huh? Yeah, maybe a left turn. Okay. But even uh, as before we lean into it, does God yeah. give it through your Holy Spirit, just enlighten us as we look at these things? Like, how do we apply them for us today, right? Amen, amen and right? amen. Right. Okay, so um, Elisha goes up to Bethel. This is verse 23. As he was walking up the path, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, chanting, Go up, Baldy! Go up, Baldy! Oh, my. <laughs> I... I read the Old Testament last year, and I, I can't remember this section too Right, well. right. He turned around, looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel, and then he returned to Samaria. What? Right. I mean, it's, he's going one place, and all of a sudden, the writer yeah, drops in. I mean, the story is magnificent, and it's huge, and there's the whirlwind, and succession of prophets, and bears? Yeah. Well, and part of it is we have to do some interpretation, and then also... Okay. We, all right. You know, part of it is um, even how uh, the Old Testament is written. I was saying this in church on Sunday about this idea that, you know, when it, before seminary, I thought the Bible was just this neat, tidy little book. Right. You know, right. with table of contents and then Genesis and then you get to all the way through the Revelation and then an index. And it's like, <laughs> right. And maybe a concordance if you're lucky. Yeah, right. Yeah, but right. The, you find out that it's it's not that simple. Okay. Or even like in yeah, Deuteronomy. That I did find out last summer. Right. Yeah. The, the book of Moses. It's like, okay, the book of Moses is the five books, right? And you get to the end of Deuteronomy and it and I think three chapters before the end, it says, and Moses died. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. But then yeah. who wrote the last three chapters if it's the book of Moses, right? So the Yeah. And it has to do with, you know, we need to be careful too, and we'll get to the story here in a second, but you know, before we had the written word, right, about seven hundred AD, it was the stories that people told. Right. Correct. And the integrity of that. Mm -hmm. you know? And so even like the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found out when we got those that the scriptures actually the, the caretaking of the telling of the stories was so precise, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Isaiah, of course, right. the example of the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? right? They found right. these more old, these older documents, right, that that actually were as perfect as the words were and that what was being written as what we had. I think the uh, oldest fragments of the New Testament take us back to the second century. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, yes. and they are right on target. Right. Like spot on word for word. Right. Yeah. And I think I've said this before, but even the idea, we have better copies of scripture than we do of Aristotle's ethics. Correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that should say something, right? And and then even that is so when you're reading through the Old Testament, and we'll get to the story here in a second. But, I know. We're all waiting. Yeah, You've yeah. got people idling in their parking lots here, But even Tom. when I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, <laughs> and it's this idea, and it always says, and this is written in the annals of the king, the annals of the king, right? I mean, it's this, there's the other, these other books that are available to us right. that we need to pay attention to. 
because they may not be scripture where they're inspired by God, but they do tell the story of God's people. Mm-hmm. And history. So, they're, history. They're history. Right. Yeah. Right. So bears. Bears. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's complicated It'd be in the sense that, it, first of all, I'm not sure when we look at the, the words that boys or children is really what is there in terms of the Hebrew. Okay. Okay. So, and, and you got to remember what's going on in the context of what Elisha is pushing through. I mean, it's a mess, right? Well, yes. I, you know, I kind of hit the highlights of the first couple chapters of, of Second Kings. But yes, Elijah and then Elisha were dealing with messy Israel. Right. Right, yeah. and so his opponents in this moment that are jeering at him, I would suggest, aren't just toddlers or children, mm-hmm. but they're actually some young adults that maybe even older adults that just, you know, they they don't know their boundaries. Okay, so the translation suggests yes. that, okay. Yeah, that they're not boys, okay. but they're actually just boys, and maybe in the sense of immaturity, maybe you can get right. right into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're saying things to the prophet, this man of God, Right. Who should be respected. And man, they're they're kinda going right after, you know, I mean the bald brotherhood. You're you're a part of that right now. <laughs> well, that's where I've leaned into the story especially. I can oh, remember okay, early okay. on as uh, I can remember some young men that were in youth group and it's like they were making fun of the fact because I had just come back from a mission trip and I shaved that's when I shaved my head. Because I was saying to the other students I'd gone on that I, I'm different. How are you different? Right? That literally came out Friday morning before we went to Six Flags after being in Chicago doing mission work, it's like, okay, I'm different now. Mm. And it's like, okay, what do I do with that? Because I wanted to mark myself in a moment because it was such an incredible, you know, sure. moment in my own faith journey. Mm-hmm. And so, but I remember a few years later being with these young men and it's like, okay, can I share a story with you out of the scriptures? Don't mess with the pastor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? With kindness. Oh, but, with right. kindness. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just this scene, like you said, it comes so far out of left field. Right. Uh, it's, it just kind of stuns you. And then in second Kings chapter three, you're right back to the mess. Right. You're, you know, this diversion of a few verses and you're right back into the rebellion against Israel. Right. And so when you, even before you get there, I mean, he's going up to Bethel. Well, what's going on in Bethel? Right. So we have to take a pause there. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, there's some messiness there with some, you know, pagan worship. All that's right. where Jeroboam's got some things going on and, and with a golden calf that they're, they're mm-hmm. worshiping. Yeah. There was more than one golden calf. And then yeah. again, just, you know, I'm not a, a biblical scholar, but I just know that when we look at scripture, there's Psalms are written this way sometimes, not all of them, but they use this sort of interesting uh, literary form where this, as you read through the chapter, it starts out one way. So like uh, in chapter two, verses one through six, it's talking about the removing of the head of what's going on there. And then they talk about 50 men in the next verse. Mm-hmm. And it sort of, it builds in and then it, it builds out. And so if you look, verses 23 through 25 talks about a bald head, but we begin in one right. six with, with a with the head. Oh. Or in in two seven is the fifty men, but in two fifteen through eighteen there's the fifty men, and so there's this uh, chiastic kind of process. So even though it's not poetry, there is a form right here that suggests that this story has a tie to something else. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it was Psalms do that. We see where it starts okay. out with. All right. 
you know, how the Lord reigns, and then it ends with that same kind of context, and it builds in and builds out. And it's just a literary form of, of poetry and of narrative writing that's just, you know, kind of cool to see that that's within the scriptures, too, when we study them. So are we to take this as a figurative event or like a, uh, almost like a parable event, or are we to take this as a literal event? I think it's a literal event. Mm. I'm not sure what to do with it, right? And, and so right, right, right. Uh, it's messy, and it just shows that, because there's other stories in the scriptures that we don't want to talk about this morning that are even more messy. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And so we're going to get to, uh, well, uh, you mentioned a naked prophet. Yes. Uh, like I said, we might not get to all of these this morning, so we may save some more for another time. But turn to Isaiah chapter 20, and we'll be right back. Mark Zimmerman here, Gabriel Collins off again today, and Pastor Tom Repke is with us from Linden Road Presbyterian Church. Good morning. And yeah, good morning, Thomas. Uh, it's Bible study time here on Heartfelt Radio, as we do every Wednesday morning at this time. But this Bible study, a little bit different, because we're taking on some of the strange stories of the Old Testament. Now, next, you have us going to Isaiah chapter 20. Right. Isaiah is a book with many expansive chapters right. written in free verse. Right. Isaiah chapter 20 is six verses. Right. It's one paragraph. Right. All one right. of the shortest chapters in the scriptures. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want me to uh, please dive in here? Okay. Uh, Isaiah chapter 20, verses 1, 2, and 3. In the year that the chief commander sent by King Sargon of Assyria came to Ashdod and attacked it and captured it, during that time the Lord had spoken through Isaiah, son of Amos, saying, Go take off your sackcloth from your waist and remove the sandals from your feet. And he did that, going stripped and barefoot. The Lord said, As my servant Isaiah has gone stripped and barefoot three years as a sign and omen against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Cush, young and old alike. Um. Isaiah was naked for three years. Right. What do we do with that? Right. And I think that's the reason why I just love leaning into wow. these things because it's wow. like, this is God's word. And so what are we supposed to learn from this? Well, I mean, there's a couple things and even the previous story, it's like, okay, this seems pretty harsh. Extremely. But you know, and yet, yeah, that's, that's the way the world turns. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Harsh. But obviously, there is a purpose here. Right. Because the Lord said this to Isaiah. Right. You are to take off the sackcloth, take off the sandals. There's symbolism here. There is. Well, and there even, has to be. And, and be reminded what you read. It's not just Israel he's talking to. Okay. All right. Who else is he talking to? Egypt. Uh, Egypt yeah. and Cush. And Cush. So yeah. the prophecies that Isaiah sort of leans, that Isaiah does lean into... They're, they're not just about God's judgment and restoration of the nation of Israel, because uh, in the previous chapter, Isaiah 19, mm -hmm. it actually describes Egypt's idolatry and the judgment oh, that's coming upon yeah. them at the hand of the mighty king. 
mm-hmm. and that Egypt had worshipped other gods and pursued their own wisdom. But even in judging this, you know, that God ends up, and it's always about God's kindness and his favor. Okay. I was just scanning backwards as you were talking there. Uh, there's a pronouncement against Damascus in chapter 17, a judgment against Israel itself, a judgment against all the nations. The Lord has a message for Cush. He's got a pronouncement against Egypt, and that leads us to this chapter. Right. So the context is huge. The Lord is not happy with pretty much anybody. Right. And the truth is most of Israel's or most of Isaiah's writing is all about simply verbal. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in order to get the people's attention, it's like, okay, Isaiah. (sighs) And it's like, I'm so glad as a pastor that that's, that God's not. Uh, Well, yeah. To sort of, but for three years. Right. But it also shows. This isn't just for one appearance. Right. So the really, it's like, are you paying attention people? Yeah. Right. And and so not only is it just a simple moment, but it's actually God's kindness, I would suggest, based on the story that's revealed to us, that, you know, God is still reaching out to, and he gives them three years to pay attention to this. And what happens? It doesn't look like they paid attention. No. Which is the human no. story, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then comes judgment on Babylon. I mean, as we go forward from this, a pronouncement against Duma, pronouncement against Arabia, pronouncement against Jerusalem. Right. Just re- keep the list I'm, going. I mean, the list, yeah. Shebna, right. Tyre. Uh, let me turn, keep turning here. The earth judged in chapter 24. The Lord is obviously trying to get the attention. Right. But it's kindness and patience, right? I mean, it's like... And it comes through a naked prophet. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, what? (sighs) So where do we go with this, Thomas? I mean, because this, when you start thinking about what God, first of all, God was talking about taking some radical steps against all these people. Right. Then he takes a radical step by telling his prophet to disrobe, not just for a speech, but for three years. Right. It, Isaiah's nakedness, I mean, when, I, when I'm thinking about it now, it's got to mean something. Well, it's always a foreshadowing of Jesus. Okay. Always this, go ahead, I, go oh, ahead. this idea that, that you know, God is going to use any means necessary to get our attention and to communicate mm. his love for us. Even to the point, it wasn't just the prophet walking around naked, it, it actually then becomes Emmanuel, mm. right? God right. takes on flesh, as Peterson says, and moves into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then for us, you know, to move it forward to us today, it's our responsibility as you know, the hands and feet of Jesus, is how do we love our neighbors? So it doesn't take much for me, to, as you walk through last week with Pastor Mark, uh, about you know, that obscure passage in Leviticus, right? Right. Which I think is interesting because, you know, when Jesus is asked, what is it all about? You know, what does he dive into? You know, he reaches mm-hmm. back into this Old Testament understanding in this crazy book of the law and pulls out this, you know, how do you love your neighbor well? So to me, in my mind, it doesn't take much to sort of weave these things to sort of see that it's God's, you know, so with the prophet, it's kind of weird and it's kind of like, really? But it shows God's, you know, forbearance and his kindness and his love for uh, people that he's going to do anything necessary to get their attention. And yet we know the story, right? We do. 
And it occurs, you know, it's interesting that this particular section has a naked prophet. Right. But at one of the things that I saw repeatedly that I did internalize as I was reading the Old Testament last year was over and over and over again, Israel disobeys, turns their back, God warns them, here's what I'm going to do if you turn your back on me. They continue to keep their back turned. God then responds exactly as he told them to. They are either in physical bondage or spiritual bondage as a result. And then every single time, like you were talking about, God's love, he then reaches down to them to pull them out. Right, and that's that's the story of Christianity as opposed yeah. to any other religion, any other faith perspective, is about how God takes on flesh, hmm. and he bears our own understanding in doing that. You know, And so, again, we've talked about it before, but the, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he knows in moments he's going to bring Lazarus forth from the tomb, it's just, Jesus knows it's the brokenness of humanity. It's the fact that death has reigned. And he knows is eventually there's going to have to be this conquering of that, that that's going to be the, but all the stories up through and the beauty in our church actually behind the, is a very ornate sort of metal structure that that's where it's like behind the set, the, the communion table at the front of the church, there's actually a large cross that's mounted on the wall. And I'm always pointing because it's over my shoulder, but remind right. us that, you know, we, as Christ followers, we get the beauty of being able to look through history through the cross. Right, and certainly Isaiah did not have that privilege. Right. Right. He probably suspected... Had some sense. ...what was coming. Right. But he probably did not suspect that it was 700 years off. Right. And 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 so, the, you know, the story we all get to be a part of is that God continues to write that story. And so even, as we've talked about, the season we're living in today, so you even take about what's happening in Akron today. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. this is complicated stuff. Very, but you know our brokenness. Whether it's prophets, you know, walking through the woods and being jeered by—I mean, it's just—it just keeps pointing to the human story of we need a savior, we need to be redeemed, and sometimes God has to take on you know different ways. And so, as we saw the story here with uh, you know getting naked, it's like yeah. what? Yeah, but it's the extent of which God pursues us if you will well i know you had four stories picked out i kind of knew we were only going to get to two of them right right uh in the time but tom if you would uh could you please pray us into this wednesday as we think about these two very very interesting stories out of the old testament right well the apostle paul says in corinthians there are things which cannot be told and things which can't man cannot utter and so sometimes when we read these stories father we just aren't quite sure what to do with them. And so I just pray this morning as we lean into all that we have to do as your people, as we continue to walk in your word, that those words encourage us and that what we see is your patience and your kindness towards us and that you did send Jesus to rescue us. But then in that rescue, God, we just pray that we can reach out to our our neighbors and offer the love that you've offered Mm -hmm. us and that they can be restored to what you have for them. But we just thank you for the promises that are true and sure, and we just ask your blessing now through all that. We pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Pastor Tom Repke with us this morning for our Bible study that took us to two very interesting places, 2 Kings 2.23 and Isaiah 20, verses 1 through 3. You have a few more minutes? I do. 
I think we need to stop and talk after this break about what I'm kind of uh, calling the theology and wonder mm. of the James Webb Space Telescope. So cool, yeah. Let's talk. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll talk about that coming up in just a few. Mark Zimmerman here, Gabe, off for one more day, and joined by Pastor Tom Repke from Linden Road Presbyterian. Good morning. Thomas, great to have you. Always great to be here. Thank I, you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, this week, boy, did we get something to look at. Uh, NASA and its uh, Webb uh, Space Telescope has uh, been in position now and being tested about a million miles away. Is that crazy? From the Earth. Yeah, I know. It is, isn't it? Uh, and now we have images. And we have seen, we saw the one, the first one a couple days ago. And then uh, yesterday we saw a whole bunch more. And if you go to NASA and you just go to, uh, just type in Web Telescope, you'll get to see the whole shooting match. It's incredible. It is. It's beautiful. Okay. So um, I have here uh uh just kind of wrote you a little note i said we should talk about the theology and wonder of the Webb space telescope let's take that in two parts i guess first of all the part that everybody feels when they look at this whether they're believers or not the wonder right and i think even just the wonder of being able to do that it well yes Right. Technologically, I mean, yes. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. You can actually put something together here on Earth, you know, a, a very sophisticated erector set, right? You know, put yeah, it together and then much. put it on a rocket ship and then send it out. And then more importantly is to actually get pictures back. And just the beauty of that. And again, just how God's created us and the, you know, our intellect and the capacity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the problem is we have always you know, the tension of you. If you're a person of faith, you see it one way, but if you're a person that doesn't see faith, then you see it as like, oh, it's just a marvel, right? It's just another man-made accomplishment. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because uh, like you, I think, we both are on social media and have been for a long time. You probably a little bit more in depth than me, (laughs) I would think. Um, I have friends on social media who are definitely not Christians. Right. I think you do too. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and I know it frustrates some of my friends that sometimes I tend to back away from the more aggressive Christian forms of pro- of posting things. Sure. Because I want to look like Jesus as much as I can when I'm posting and for thank, those around thank me, thank you. Yeah, for those who are around me who aren't, right. So there's a young man I know. He is a millennial. He is most definitely a non-believer. Uh, very, very um, outspoken in that regard. He posted some of the pictures from the Webb Telescope mm. yesterday, and he said. I think I'm trying to get a direct quote, but he said, I can't deal with this. This is making my head hurt. I, it took everything within me to resist typing back. But <laughs> right. I'm glad it's making your 
your head hurt. It should make your head hurt. Right. Because what that telescope has done by pointing at one tiny little speck of the sky. Correct. Is show us that there are innumerable galaxies out there with innumerable stars. And yet, as that thing keeps pointing and tilting and seeing more parts of the universe, the truth remains. The Lord who created all of it knows each star right. by name. Right. I mean, yesterday as you talked about it, I was out on a bike ride and I was listening to you and watching the sun come up. And so I was captured between the tension of, like, you don't have to look very far to see the wonder. Yeah. Right. Just pay attention right. to what's around you. And then even when we think about Paul's writing in, in Romans, he reminds us that that alone, just being able to look at creation should be enough to say, there is a God, mm-hmm. he is in charge, he loves us and, and desires a relationship with us, and yet, you know, it's the tension. He does say that everything is plain to them, right. them being the unbeliever. Right. And so they are without excuse. Right. And I used to think those were harsh words, but with the Webb Space Telescope, I don't think they're so harsh anymore. I mean, now we have something that Paul had no way of being able to see 2,000 years ago. Correct. 1,900 years ago. And here we are sitting with this absolutely stunning image after image after image after image. No excuse. There isn't. And anymore. it's interesting. I was looking and just, I've, I've followed this a little bit just because I'm just fascinated with the technology mm-hmm. and the pictures and the imagery. And somebody, uh, just a scientist was saying, you know, what he posed a question, what are we going to discover that we had no idea was there? Yeah. You know, and just this idea that, you know, we think that things are pretty finite, but we mm-hmm. find out that, you know, it's like, and again, it's order, right? And I think that's the part that yes. we need to say is that there's a, a beauty of all of this. The fact, again, the mathematics that sort of be able to allow us to do like the, uh, you know, be able to send a rocket ship into space. Or I'm thinking of the great movie that came out about the the women that, you know, were the mathematicians. Oh, yeah. Uh, hidden, hidden figures. Yeah, hidden yeah. figures. Yeah. yeah. It, just the beauty of that. It just, again, in these moments help us understand that there is order and not chaos. Right. And I think as Christ followers, that's something that we really have to speak more loudly now even. I was waiting for that word in the press conference. I was waiting for a scientist to say something about chaos. Mm -hmm. Never happened. Right. Because the scientists recognize it. They do. They they can't say it. They're not quite sure what to do with it. Because yeah, exactly. again, again, it has to do with their faith. So it's interesting. Even uh, there's a great little book that was written on the star over Bethlehem. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's fascinating. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because Pastor Mark mentioned the exact same book well, about eight months ago. Right. And it's yeah. an amazing when you look at it because, again, it shows we can actually, through computer models, we can take and say, what did the stars look like? On December 25th, you know, <laughs> yes, 0003, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's amazing what we're able to do through those models. And then it's like, you know, and even in the idea of there's other stories, weird stories in the scriptures, right? When the, the sun stops in the sky. Uh-huh. Okay, because we know if the earth stops turning... Does that take us back to Elijah again? It does. Oh, no. Yeah. I've but, had enough of Elijah yeah. for one day. But if, we, if, if the earth stops turning, we have a problem. 
Right. Right. It's something called gravity. Big right? problem. <laughs> it all falls apart. So how does how how do we as Christians sort of wrestle through these sort of difficult things? And then we get these amazing moments where and, it, and it's about how do we have conversations with people and like your friend that you're you know, on social media, sure. you know, what things and how you approach that with with kindness and gentleness in conversation without judgment, right? I mean, it's right. just all those things. And I think it's just the beauty of that. Well, here's what I posted this morning, and I tried to be as gentle as I could. But I took the picture of that cloud nebula right. that has become so popular in the last 16 hours, and I just wrote this. From the farthest reaches of the universe to the first moments of a beating heart inside the womb, we can now see more than we have ever seen before. Design points relentlessly to a designer. Right. Because it just struck me that now we can see to the deepest reaches of space. And in the last 10 years, we have now been able to see inside the womb in ways that back when our kids were born, Pastor Tom, we couldn't have imagined. Right. And like Paul said, we are without excuse because everything we see points us, whether we want to go there or not, toward a designer. Correct. Toward a creator. Correct. And I, wow. yeah, yeah, and I think the beauty of that, especially as you think about just all the things that we've talked about over the many months, just, you know, the tensions we find ourselves in is that in those moments, that's when we just need to be able to hold up the wonder and the beauty of mm -hmm. what we're seeing through this telescope. Now, could the monies have been spent on different things? And it, of course, there's always that. Right. But I just think there, that's always the knock against the space program. Right. Yeah. The but money I, could have been spent. Right. But I think there's things that we're learning the technology. I mean, I love right. the fact that, the, you know, the GPS, right? You uh, use it when yeah. you hike. I use it when I bike. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I even used it the other day to map out how many miles it takes to mar mow the backyard of the church and found out that <laughs> <laughs> it's almost two miles when I go back and forth. It's like, really? Atta boy. No wonder I'm feeling pretty good after. Yeah, exactly. But it's those kinds of things that I think we just take for granted, and especially living today, you know, the wonder and the beauty and this, even the, you know, the idea that there's a mover behind all these things and the opportunity we have then again of loving our neighbors well and helping them see the story that God's writing. You know, I think we need to pray again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Second time around. Uh, I'll begin, and uh, if you would close. I'd be happy to. So let's pray ourselves into this Wednesday a second time. Amen. Uh, Lord, as we continue to... Uh, internalize and just view with wonder some of what the James Webb Space Telescope is sending back. Thank you for reminding us out of Psalm 19, verse 1, and many other places in Scripture, that you are in control of everything. From every star and every galaxy that the Webb Telescope photographs to the details of every one of our lives. And Lord, if that does not fill us with absolute awe and wonder and reverence, I don't know what can. We're and praying to you, Lord, to watch over us this day and drive these truths inside of us. Amen. And, 
And God, just the amazing opportunity we get one more time of new evidence of your amazing creative active work in our lives, in the world around us, this creation that we now get to see through the telescope. And just thank you for all those things that just point to the fact that there is order. And when we think our lives are chaotic, then no, you're in charge. And even though we're pushing through some complications, the beauty of being you there being for us. And so thank you for all the promises that we've tapped into this morning. And we just pray this morning as we lean into what we have, that you'll bless us to bless others, to offer the life that you've given us to those that are so desperately needing to know that there is hope. And so Jesus, thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, we just pray that you guard all that we do as we offer that to others. And we just pray it in your strong name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Tom Repke spending a little extra time with us. From Linden Road Presbyterian, Tom, if people want to know more about what you're involved in at Linden Road, how can they check you out on the web? uh, Linden Road, one word, dot church. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, yeah, on the socials, find us. Okay. Got questions, reach out. We got some fun things we're having right now, conversations we're having about were there dinosaurs in the ark or... (laughs) Uh, you, You opened it up by asking people, got questions? So you're getting, and the whole idea is to show that, and I think there's a world out there right now, especially even with the telescope that's, you know, people are pausing to say, I just need to know more. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be there for that. Oh, and one other thing. Yes. Thank you to culinary artist, Melinda Repke for sending along another coffee cake this morning. Yeah, I'm sorry Gabe's not here to be part of it. I know. Hashtag Coffee Cake Ministry. Yeah, we want to pray for Gabe, too. Yeah. Thank you, Melinda. We appreciate you. Thanks, Mark and Gabe. Blessings. Thanks, Heartfelt Radio, too. The things that you guys are doing is such a beauty of leaning into that creative wonder, right, of offering Mm. technology. So when I'm riding my bike, I can (laughs) hear great songs. It is good to have you. Good to be here. We'll talk again soon. Yep. Pastor Tom Repke with us once again this morning here on Heartfelt Radio.